just as I am. Welcome to the Gospel Saves Podcast, a program that discusses all matters related to the Christian faith. Please visit thegospelsaves.me. You can also visit The Gospel Saves on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And Welcome back. We've been talking about the problem of evil and how the Bible goes about solving the problem of evil. The past couple episodes, we've been talking about the influence of Satan and how he works in the world and how he works against us and how, as a malevolent force, he is intent on our destruction. He is intent on us failing and how, as an accuser, as a tempter, as a deceiver, he he influences us and, and I believe, introduces a lot of pain and suffering into the human experience. In this episode, I want to talk about Satan's most potent weapon, the fear of death. Now, we've touched on death a few times already. In our discussion of the types of evil, I mentioned that, in my view, there are two types of evil. There's moral evil, which the Bible calls sin, and I would also associate with moral evil the direct consequences that result from someone's sin. In addition to moral evil, we also see natural evil at work in the world. Sickness, general pain and suffering, and ultimately death would all fall into the category of natural evil. Moral evil sin led to the natural evil death. As God warned Adam and Eve, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. It's good to think for a moment, what makes death evil? Well, thinking back to the definition of evil, evil is a corruption of a good thing. God's design for us was to live. Life is, by definition, a good thing. It is a gift from God. Death is an obvious corruption of what is good. And I would even go so far to say that death is an aberration for human beings. It feels unnatural. It feels like it doesn't belong in our experience. And when it enters into our life, it just feels strange. When I was in my mid-30s, my mother suffered from cancer, and I was present the day that she passed away. My brother and sister and I were Uh, keeping a vigil in her room that Monday morning, we left the room briefly to discuss a few things, came back, and mom had passed away. And it was a very odd sensation. Here's a body that just a few minutes ago was breathing. And even though she wasn't aware, we could tell that she was alive. When we came back to the room, she was gone. And it was just a very odd thing, a very odd sensation, a very odd experience. And this is one reason I believe death is, for us, a bit of an aberration. It, it just doesn't seem like it fits for human beings. And I believe that that's an intuitive sense we all have, that God gave us life, and death is a corruption of that good thing, and it doesn't belong. 
Now, how we view death often dictates how we approach our lives. As I mentioned on a past episode, some people see death as the ultimate end, so why not live life to the fullest? Others look at death and they begin to question the point of life. Does anything matter since I'm just going to die? The Bible, though, encourages us to live responsibly, because following death we will have to give an answer for the choices we've made. So how we view death influences how we approach life. It influences the choices we make. It it influences how we conceptualize the world. I think I can say with a great deal of certainty that we all share a fear of death. And that fear of death is a byproduct of sin. Sin is in the world. We are all guilty of sin to one degree or another, and it's because of our sin that we fear death. Now, some people have attempted to dismiss the fear of death. I've mentioned the Greek philosopher Epicurus a few different times over the course of this study. And a couple of episodes ago, I quoted Epicurus. He said, death does not concern us, because as long as we exist, death is not here. And once it does come, we no longer exist. Now, Epicurus was being very brave. He was putting on a brave face. He was telling us that for him, death was irrelevant. It doesn't matter that I exist, and when death comes, I won't know the difference because I'll be dead. Epicurus didn't believe in a life after death. But most of us can't put on this brave face. All of us have a, an intuitive fear of death, a, a sense that death looms and we're afraid of it. I read a book by a humanist author one time on how morality can be rooted in the biological concept of altruism. It's a very interesting book, not because I agreed with it, not because I agreed with much of what was written in it, but it helped me to understand a different point of view. And in that book, the author talks about death. He says this, For a humanist, the mourning process begins with accepting that death is real and final, and that, with apologies to Epicurus, we fear it. Our fear of death is not only normal and not to be dismissed, it is part of the motivation we feel to live a good life now while we still have time. I appreciated that assessment because the man was just being honest. As someone who doesn't believe in God, as an atheist, I fear death and I shouldn't shy away from that. And for his part, he found motivation to live a better life because he knew that death was the end and there was nothing after that. So he adopted a very different uh, point of view than Epicurus and others who look at death and say, well, I might as well just live my life to the fullest and enjoy as much pleasure as possible. This man took a little different tact than that. But he acknowledges that there is a fear of death. We all share this fear of death. And Admittedly, even Christians fear death. It's just a part of who we are. And it's there because our will to live is very strong, and our fear of death is very real. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, the writer of Hebrews talks about our fear of death. And he's talking about the sacrifice of Jesus and what that sacrifice ultimately accomplished. 
He says this, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now in these two verses, the writer of Hebrews acknowledges that Satan has the power of death. And we know this to be literally true. He killed the children of Job with a terrible windstorm. But we also can see in in Satan's power how he is a tempter, how his influence does play a part in the sin and evil that is present in the world. And so in that respect, he also has the power of death. And Satan uses the, the fear of death. He uses our fear of death against us. In fact, the writer of Hebrews describes it as a form of spiritual slavery. And I think we all can relate to this. We've all made mistakes and we felt trapped in a state of sin and perhaps even trapped in a state of death. Paul in in Romans chapter 7 says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Those of us who have had real moral or ethical crises can relate to what Paul is saying. How can I escape from these sins? How can I escape from this body which has enslaved me, this body which is enslaved to death? Well, the Bible's answer is that Jesus defeats Satan in his death and resurrection. Jesus was an innocent man who was falsely accused of blasphemy and insurrection and was therefore sentenced to die. But there was a purpose in his death. There was something Jesus was accomplishing with his death. And to get a glimpse of what he was intending to accomplish, let's turn over to Luke chapter 11, verse 14. In that verse, Jesus cast out a demon, and there's some discussion among the the multitude who has given Jesus this power. And some people conclude that Satan himself has given Jesus the power to cast out demons. Now, Jesus dismisses that notion with some simple logic, and he concludes that you should all believe that the Spirit of God has given me this power to cast out these demons. And then he says something very interesting. It's a very short little parable of sorts. In verse 21, he says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in place. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. The strong man represents Satan. The stronger than Satan represents Jesus and God. In other words, the miracles Jesus performed, healing the sick, healing the lame, and casting demons out of those who were demon-possessed, these were a direct assault on the dominion of Satan. And what is Satan's greatest weapon? Yes, he uses human pain and suffering against us. These are are in his arsenal, so to speak. But what is his greatest weapon? Well, as the writer of Hebrews says, it's our fear of death. And death, Satan's greatest weapon, was directly assaulted by Jesus when he died as an innocent man. As the writer of Hebrews says, through death he destroyed the one who has the power of death. When Jesus was raised from the dead, 
the state of human death was conquered. So Jesus's crucifixion was a direct assault on Satan's greatest power, and his resurrection is what gave Jesus the victory. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. So part of the Bible's solution to evil, in fact, I would argue the ultimate answer that the Bible gives to the problem of evil is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that this represents God's greatest assault against Satan's greatest weapon. And in the resurrection of Jesus, in the giving of life, we see victory. So much so that when the Apostle John, in the book of Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, sees the resurrected and glorified Jesus, he hears Jesus say, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of death and Hades. In his crucifixion, Jesus assaulted Satan's greatest weapon, and in his resurrection, he overcame Satan. And when he conquered death and Satan, Jesus took from him the power of death. Thus, the greatest evil we must all face has been conquered by Jesus Christ. And in his victory, we have victory. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Saves podcast. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find Acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will.